Uniformity with God's Will by St. Alphonsus de Liguori Chapter 5 Special Practices of Uniformity Let us now take up in a practical way the consideration of those matters in which we should unite ourselves to God's will. Number 1. In external matters. In times of great heat, cold, or rain, in times of famine, epidemics, and similar occasions, we should refrain from expressions like these. What unbearable heat! What piercing cold! What a tragedy! In these instances, we should avoid expressions indicating opposition to God's will. We should want things to be just as they are, because it is God who thus disposes them. An incident in point should be this one. Late one night, St. Francis Borgia arrived unexpectedly at a Jesuit house, in a snowstorm. He knocked and knocked on the door, but all to no purpose. Because the community being asleep, no one heard him. When morning came, all were embarrassed for the discomfort he had experienced in having to spend the night in the open. The saint, however, said he had enjoyed the grandest consolation during those long hours of the night by imagining he saw our Lord up in the sky dropping the snowflakes down upon him. Number 2. In Personal Matters In matters that affect us personally, let us acquiesce in God's will. For example, in hunger, thirst, poverty, desolation, loss of reputation, let us always say, Do thou build up or tear down, O Lord, as seems good in thy sight. I am content. I wish only what thou dost wish. Thus too, says Rodriguez, should we act when the devil proposes certain hypothetical cases to us in order to gain from us a sinful consent, or at least to cause us to be interiorly disturbed. For example, what would you say or what would you do if someone were to say or do such and such a thing to you? Let us dismiss the temptation by saying, By God's grace, I would say or do what God would want me to say or do. Thus we shall free ourselves from imperfection and harassment. Number three. Let us not lament if we suffer some natural defect of body or mind, from poor memory, slowness of understanding, little ability, lameness, or general bad health. What claim have we, or what obligation is God under, to give us a more brilliant mind or a more robust body? Who has ever offered a gift and then lays down the conditions upon which he will accept it? Let us thank God for what, in his pure goodness, he has given us, and let us be content, too, with the manner in which he has given it to us. Who knows? Perhaps if God had given us greater talent, better health, or more personable appearance, we might have lost our souls. Great talent and knowledge have caused many to be puffed up with the idea of their own importance, and, in their pride, they have despised others. How easily those who have all these gifts fall into grave danger to their salvation! How many on account of physical beauty or robust health have plunged headlong into a life of debauchery! How many, on the contrary, who, by reason of poverty, infirmity, or physical deformity, have become saints and saved their souls! Who, given health, wealth, or physical attractiveness, had else lost their souls! Let us then be content with what God has given us! But one thing is necessary, and it is not beauty, not health, not talent. It is the salvation of our immortal souls. Number four. It is especially necessary that we be resigned in corporal infirmities. We should willingly embrace them in the manner and for the length of time that God wills. We ought to make use of the ordinary remedies in time of sickness, such as God's will. 
But if they are not effective, let us unite ourselves to God's will, and this will be better for us than would be our restoration to health. Let us say, Lord, I wish neither to be well nor to remain sick. I want only what thou wilt. Certainly, it is more virtuous not to repine in times of painful illness. Still in all, when our sufferings are excessive, it is not wrong to let our friends know that we are enduring, and also to ask God to free us from our sufferings. Let it be understood, however, that the sufferings here referred to are actually excessive. It often happens that some, on the occasion of a slight illness or even a slight indisposition, want the whole world to stand still and sympathize with them in their illnesses. But where it is a case of real suffering, we have the example of our Lord, who, at the approach of his bitter passion, made known his state of soul to his disciples, saying, My soul is sorrowful even unto death, and besought his eternal Father to deliver him from it. Father, if it be possible, let this chalice pass from me. But our Lord likewise taught us what we should do when we have made such a petition, when he added, Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. How childish the pretense of those who protest they wish for better health not to escape suffering, but to serve our Lord better by being able to observe their rule of religious life, to serve their community, to go to church, receive communion, do penance, study, work for souls in the confessional and pulpit. Devout soul, tell me, why do you desire to do these things? To please God? Why then search any further to please God when you are sure God does not wish these prayers? communions, penances, or studies, but he does wish that you suffer patiently this sickness he sends you. Unite then your sufferings to those of the Lord. But, you say, I do not want to be sick, for then I am useless, a burden to my order, to my monastery. But if you are united to and resigned to God's will, you will realize that your superiors are likewise resigned to the dispositions of divine providence, and that they recognize the fact that you are a burden not through indolence, but by the will of God. Ah, how often these desires and these laments are born, not of the love of God, but of the love of self. How many of them are so many pretexts for fleeing the will of God? Do we want to please God? When we find ourselves confined to our sick bed, let us utter this one prayer, Thy will be done. Let us repeat it time and time again, and it will please God more than all our mortifications and devotions. There is no better way to serve God than cheerfully to embrace His holy will. St. John of the Cross once wrote to a sick priest, My dear friend, Do not weary yourself planning what you would do if you were well, but be content to be sick for as long as God wishes. If you are seeking to carry out God's will, what difference should it make to you whether you are sick or well? The saint was perfectly right, for God is glorified not by our works, but by our resignation to and by our union with his holy will. In this respect, St. Francis de Sales used to say, we serve God better by our sufferings than by our actions. Many times it will happen that proper medical attention or effective remedies will be lacking, or even that the doctor will not rightly diagnose our case. In such instances, we must unite ourselves to the divine will, which thus disposes of our physical health. The story is told of a client of St. Thomas of Canterbury, who, being sick, went to the saint's tomb to obtain a cure. He returned home cured, but then he thought to himself, Suppose it would be better for my soul's salvation if I remain sick. What point, then, is there in being well? 
In this frame of mind he went back and asked the saint to intercede with God that he grant what will be best for his eternal salvation. His illness returned, and he was perfectly content with the turn things had taken, being fully persuaded that God had thus disposed of him for his own good. There is a similar account by Surio to the effect that a certain blind man obtained the restoration of his sight by praying to St. Bedasto, bishop. Thinking the matter over, he prayed again to his heavenly patron, but this time with the purpose that if the possession of his sight were not expedient for his soul, that his blindness should return. And that is exactly what happened. He was blind again. Therefore, in sickness it is better that we seek neither sickness nor health, but that we abandon ourselves to the will of God, so that he may dispose of us as he wishes. However, if we decide to ask for health, let us do so at least always resigned, and with the proviso that our bodily health may be conducive to the health of our soul. Otherwise, our prayer will be defective, and will remain unheard, because our Lord does not answer prayers made without resignation to his holy will. Sickness is the acid test of spirituality, because it discloses whether our virtue is real or sham. If the soul is not agitated, does not break out in lamentations, is not feverishly restless in seeking a cure, but instead is submissive to the doctors and to superiors, is serene and tranquil, completely resigned to God's will, it is a sign that the soul is well grounded in virtue. What of the whiner who complains of lack of attention, that his sufferings are beyond endurance, that the doctor does not know his business? What of the faint-hearted soul who laments that the hand of God is too heavy upon him, this story by St. Bonaventure in his Life of St. Francis is in point. On a certain occasion when the saint was suffering extraordinary physical pain, one of his religious, meaning to sympathize with him, said in his simplicity, My father, pray God that he treat you a little more gently, for his hand seems heavy upon you just now. Hearing this, St. Francis strongly resented the unhappy remark of his well-meaning brother, saying, My good brother, did I not know that what you have just said was spoken in all simplicity, without realizing the implication of your words, I should never see you again because of your rashness in passing judgment on the dispositions of divine providence. Whereupon, weak and wasted as he was by his illness, he got out of bed, knelt down, kissed the floor, and prayed thus, Lord, I thank thee for the sufferings thou art sending me. Send me more, if it be thy good pleasure. My pleasure is that you afflict me and spare me not, for the fulfillment of thy holy will is the greatest consolation of my life.